Last week we began a sermon series that is based upon five statements that we read together. And after the service, I told Sandy, oh my, they sounded good as we were reading those. And so I'd like to do that again. We're going to put a, sc- a slide up on the screen and, and um, hopefully, yes, there it is. Oh, these are good words. Would you read them with me? God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is alive and active in me. And it ends with, I'm believing God. Oh, you sound good today. I'm so thankful to be here with you, and and we're going to open up that second statement today by reading together the Gospel of Mark, beginning in the ninth chapter and the 14th verse. Mark 9, 14. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one in the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him into the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. And when he answered him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the, father's, the boy's father cried out and said to him, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious Father, we come to you with our own great needs. There are many in this family who are in hospitals today. We think of Willard and Walter, and holy God, we pray that you would bless them. We know they are under doctors and nurses' care, that they have fine medicines and attendants, but you are our God, and we ask your very best upon them, that you would bless them majestically and return them to the people that love them and to good health. We know, Father, this is a big prayer, but we believe that you are a big God. I imagine, Father, there are many in the congregation today who have their own needs. Some who are afraid. 
some problems which are just seemingly too big. But we have come to worship today a big God. So help us believe and help us to pray according to your word. We have come to worship you today. May your spirit move mightily in the midst of your people. And we will praise you and give you all glory and honor. For you, our God, are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at how the world described God and then kind of compared it to what the scriptures say about our God. And the, and the, and the chasm between the two are great and, and, and such a broad view. And sometimes that worldview kind of creeps into the church a little bit. And we might come to the conclusion, or at least if we would not say it, we may act like it, that our God is distant or impersonal or unwilling or simply common. But that's not what we believe, is it? That's not what the Word of God says to us. Rather, we believe that God is Yahweh. He is the God of the covenant. He is the one who fulfills every promise. That would be a good time to say He is our God. He is the God Elohim. He is the God of the mountain. He is the God that shakes the mountain. He is the one of majesty and power. And do you know what, choir? He has not changed, has he? This is our God, the God of the mountain. He is neither distant nor unwilling, but rather he desires to reveal himself to those who would truly seek him, with those who would have a true desire to seek his glory. Which brings us to the second statement, God can do what he says he can do. Do you believe it, church? I hope you do. What does God say that he can do? Psalm 77, verses 12 through 14 is a pretty good place to start. I love this passage. It says, I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the people. You are the God who works wonders. And don't we, as we come into the sanctuary today, have a deep need to worship the one God who works mightily, who works wonders? I know you well enough. You have been kind and generous with your stories. I know there are some here today that have mighty struggles. And we need the God who works wonders. But even though those words come straight out of the Bible, when we start to talk about miracles, people begin to get a little anxious. It can even become divisive. And, And some people tend to kind of gravitate to one extreme or the other. The first extreme is called cessationism. And it's not as complicated as it sounds. It simply means that we don't believe that God works in the same way as we read about in the Bible. You say, would anyone ever say that? I had a pastor uh, right before I went to seminary who believed that. He said there was a time when God was building his church, that the Spirit of God moved mightily, that there were miracles and signs in order to build up that early fledgling church. But we have the Spirit and we have the Scripture, so God doesn't work that way anymore. On the other hand, 
is kind of an attitude, cessation on one hand. On the other end of the spectrum, we might say it is sensationalism. In other words, it's all about the show. It's all about, uh, you see some of it on television, don't you? It feels like a performance rather than a worship service. It's all about excitement and emotional high. Anytime you see a fog machine in church, you kind of have to wonder a little bit. Lasers, I'm not sure they belong in church, do they? It's not about a performance, it's about worshiping a God. Because if it's all about kind of an adrenaline rush, if it's all about a show, it really is all about us, isn't it? In other words, entertain us. It is human-centric as opposed to God-centric. And Jesus spoke about both of those extremes. On one hand, he addressed the cessationalists in this very passage that we read together this morning. Luke 9, 41, and Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted, oh my. You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? Why did he chastise them? Because of their lack of faith which affected their inability to, 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 to live abundantly and for a miracle to be performed in their midst. Now, on the other hand, he also addresses the sensationalists. In Matthew 16, 4, he says this, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given except the sign of Jonah. In other words, the sign that Jesus Christ would lay in the tomb three days and then be raised. Why did Jesus chastise these people? Because they came for the show. In other words, they were saying, oh, come, entertain us. Show us a trick. And he called them an adulterous generation because they were chasing after the signs of God as opposed to God himself. And so I think, excuse me, it's a very good question for us to ask today, as we kind of look at our own lives, at our own prayer life, at our own beliefs, which side of that spectrum do you fall on? Cessation, I just don't believe that God works like that anymore, or sensationalism, I I really kind of like to have the show. It's all about the miracle. Now, we might say we believe one thing or the other, but think again about your prayer life. Are you praying mighty prayers? Are you praying for a a mighty God to move mightily in your life and in the life of this church? Are you praying mightily that God would change this community? Don't you think that he's able to do that? Are you praying that the baptismal doors would be open every Sunday? Are you praying that you would have the opportunity to share the gospel, that we would be a soul-winning church, that we would kindle our passion for those that are lost and headed toward hell? Are you praying great prayers? Are you praying great prayers like, Lord, give us the opportunity to take up a special offering just for the water bill that it's going to take to run that baptismal every week? Or are you praying kind of, Safe prayers. Bless us. Keep us safe. My guess is that most of us tend to gravitate toward the safe ground of cessationism. We start to slide toward that attitude, well, I guess he just doesn't work like that anymore. 
We may not say it out loud, but it may show up in the way that we pray. Whether or not we tithe. The way that we talk on Sunday, but then again where we live on Monday. And you see that difference between the way that we say we believe on Sunday and the way that we act on Monday. If there's a difference, it can tear at us. It can chafe. It can rip at us. And you can hear that ache, that, that desperation in the midst of the crisis. This, this father who, who has a son who is throwing himself into flame. Can you imagine? In verse 23, it says, And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said to him, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And there it is. I am so thankful for those words because the truth is that many of us live right in between there. Right in between. I believe, help my unbelief. Not knowing exactly what we should pray for or how much we can pray for or afraid that we might pray for the wrong thing or afraid to step out and just to be disappointed because the need are so great in so many of our lives and the stakes are so high. And so we just slowly slide towards cessationism. I guess God just doesn't work like that anymore. Of course, there's a problem with that, isn't there? The problem is the moment that we begin to take the, the miracles and the majesty out of God, we no longer believe in the God of the Scriptures. It undercuts our hope and it cheats the believer out of an abundant life of what God intended. So let me ask you again. Do you believe that God can do what he says he can do? Maybe you're not ready to answer that yet. Maybe you have other questions like, well, why don't we see more wonders in our lives? Why don't we see more miracles? Have you ever wondered that? It's all right to confess it. Have you ever wondered, why don't we see more miracles in our lives? You would not be the first generation to ask that question. Listen to the book of Judges. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Have you ever been there? And where are his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? In other words, why is there such a gap between our theology and our reality? Psalm 74, 9, likewise, we do not see signs there is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long. It's the same question, is it? We believe, help our unbelief. And finally, my favorite in Habakkuk 3.2. Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. My brothers and sisters, I have begun to pray because I tell you what, there has never been a time more in my life than right now that I believe we need a majestic outpouring of the majesty and the miracles of our God. And I'm not even saying for those who are unbelievers. I'm saying for the church of God, we need, 
to begin to believe once again into a powerful God who works majesty and miracles. All three of these things, all three of these generations are saying, we have heard your signs, we know the stories of your your miraculous deliverance, yet right where we live, we are aching. We are hurting. We need the true God of the scriptures. Our reality, our reality and our theology aren't merging. Three different generations. And we may respond, we have seen so little, and therefore we believe so little. But I think the scriptures would respond to us and say, I think we have seen so little because we have believed so little. Why was it that the disciples could not cast out the demon? Why was it? Because of their lack of, say it, their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. And Jesus responds, oh, unbelieving generation. Is it possible, too, that we are becoming that unbelieving generation? Why is it that we do not believe? Why is it that we do not ask God to move miraculously in our own lives, in in our church, and in our community? Are we satisfied with so little of God? Aren't you desperate for the wonders of God in your life? We aren't short on need. Perhaps it is that we are short on faith. Do you ache to pray the prayer of Habakkuk? Revive your work in the midst of these years. In the midst of these years, make it known. Move powerfully in our lives. Show us your glory, God. Have your way in our life. Oh, but show us your glory. The truth is, I I think we don't ask because it's risky. We're kind of afraid to get out on the boat, out of the boat even if it means that we have to stay a little bit further away from Jesus. And maybe we're afraid because, you know, we've asked, and all we did was end up getting wet and feeling foolish and embarrassed and disappointed. And at the end of the day, we're left to scratch our heads just a little bit at the words of Jesus who said, all things are possible to him who believes. I want to tell you four things this morning about him who believes, about we who profess. I was so struck by Rich's prayer this morning. It was beautiful. It was profound. Do we believe what he prayed is actually possible? The choir sang beautifully and majestically and such great words of passion and hope. Now, do we truly believe that God can act in such a way? I want to tell you four things about him who believes. Number one, we who believe do our very best to align ourselves to the will of God. Before we pray, we do our very best. As it already is in heaven, may it be here on earth. We do not ask anything that does not bring glory to our heavenly Father. We do not ask for things that aren't identified as principles in the Scripture. And then through prayer and fasting and watching and listening to the Spirit, we do our best to rest and abide in God's will. And then we pray boldly. We pray, show us your glory. Move majestically in the life of this church. 
I tell you what, look at all of the empty seats in this church. Is there a thing in the world wrong with saying, Lord Jesus, by your power, move majestically so that these pews may be full? Is there a thing in the world wrong with that? Church, can we pray that prayer with confidence? Can we step out of the boat, even if it's risky? Lord God, give us opportunities so that we might set us on fire, Lord Jesus, for you, so that we might share your gospel. Can we pray that? Because, Lord Jesus, and we're going to give you all of the honor, glory, and credit. It's not just about a show. It's about a passion for a mighty God. Can we pray that confidently? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to step out of the boat? Are you willing to pray a big prayer and then let God use you as part of his plan? Is it all right to pray that? Is it all right to pray? Ooh, I heard news this morning. No one won that big old lottery last night. $800 million. How many of you? Don't you dare raise your hand. <laughs> Rolled over. I think it was $1.3 billion on a lottery. Is it okay? Lord, sure would like to have that $1.3. Is it all right? I don't know. It's a different sermon. I'm not going there. But I do tell you this. If you win, I expect there will be some tithing. Amen? That's $103 million in ties right there. Oh, when I was, oh, I'm a chaser rabbit. When I was in seminary, we had this one class, and somebody asked, hey, listen, uh, I got this guy. He won a lottery, and he wants to tithe. Is that all right? And all the young people in the seminary class, they said, no, don't take that money. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to use that money for something good. Is it all right to pray for that? I'm not sure if that aligns with God's will. But absolutely, I know and I believe with all my heart. Set me on fire, Lord, and give me the opportunity to share the gospel. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Set this church on fire so that we might be a soul-winning church. Open these baptismal doors so that we might baptize hundreds every year, that every week in the coming year. Is that too big a prayer for our God? Not at all. Because we serve a mighty God. And the reason that we see so little, I am convicted, is because we believe so little. And in 2016, church, I'd like that to change. Anybody say amen. Number two, we who believe know that God loves us and wants the very best for this. This is an incredible principle that I want you to get. Now, you already know that, don't you? God loves me, and he wants the very best for me. Amen? And if we ever have any doubt of that, we can look at the cross and we remember how much he sacrificed and how much he gave for what? For love. And so I'll tell you what. If I pray for something and God says no, do you know what I believe? It is because he has a greater yes for me just around the corner. His answer to me is yes. The cross says so. He wants the very best for me. I remember one time we were assigned up for a new assignment, and, the, uh, and the, uh, the, the, the assignment officer called me, and he said, we got an assignment for you. You're going to Fort Irwin, California. Oh, it's in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Average summer temperature, 116 degrees. And I prayed, oh, God, do not send me there. And he said, no, 
And we went there. And it was one of the greatest blessings of our life. If God says no to your prayer, it's not because he's too small. It's not because you did something wrong. It very well may be because he has a greater yes in store for you. How do I believe that? Because I look at the cross, and that settles it right there. Are you with me, church? Now, that's kind of a hard pill to swallow because I want what I want now, and you know, I want it now. But when we look at the cross, we remember what he's done for us, and we believe. And if he says no now, he has a greater, oh, he has a greater We'll get there. He has a greater yes. Number three, we who believe. Are you part of that crowd? One of you. We who believe know that the internal spiritual blessings and growth always take precedence over external blessings. That's another huge principle of life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. Are you with me still? Say amen. Amen. Good. Ephesians, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Here's what he prays. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. How great are the riches of his glory? Pretty great. He holds everything in his hands. He owns everything. So I was looking at something today. He said, you don't own anything. God owns everything. He just gives you, he entrusts it to you for a while. Absolutely the truth. According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. That's the priority. The riches of his glory, that's what he's praying for you, so that you might may dwell in your hearts through faith. The inner man is always the priority. The most powerful things that God wants to give us are are, are, are the refinement so that we might be changed into the character of his son Jesus. And so sometimes I believe that God will say to us, no, you're praying for that physical thing, but the truth is the answer is yes, because I am working out something in your spirit, in your life, so that you can be transformed into the image and the character of Jesus Christ. Tell me what could be better than that. Listen, if I got that one point, what is it? Some of you knew real accurately what that, uh, the, the, the lottery was. I was a little surprised about it. Was it 1.3? Now no one's going to say. One point, it's a billion. Uh, around it. It doesn't go as far as it used to, but... What's more important that you get that billion dollars, which is only for a moment, or that he changes you into the character of his son, which will last forever? Now, again, that might be a little bit hard pill to swallow. But the truth is, if we would step back and say, this is going to last forever to be transformed into the image of Christ, well, all right then. So if I pray for this physical thing and he says no, I can kind of count on that he's probably working out something wonderful that is eternal. His desire is to transform us. And so we believe and pray boldly. I am yours. 
may your will be done in my life. Finally, number four, we who believe know that God can do all things. Somebody say amen on that. Come on now. I'm going to say it again just so you can say amen again. You ready? We who believe know that God can do all things. Amen. Oh, you're getting it now. I just needed to give you a little setup. That's all. He is a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. And he, he promises to bless us not only spiritually but physically as well. Listen to the words of Jesus as recorded in Matthew. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. There's the principle in number three. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first those things that are eternal. And then he promised he would provide everything for you. Do you know how blessed we are? I laid down in my bed the other day, a king-sized bed, and uh, pulled a beautiful comforter up over, and, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, a few hundred years ago, if anyone looked at me, they would have thought I was a king. I look at it in my house, they would have thought I was royalty. Look at this. And, and you know, we kind of complain about what we, oh, my soul, compared to the rest of the world, we are more blessed than anyone. But seek first the kingdom, and all of these other blessings will be poured into your life. Seek and pray. Father, I, I know you, and I know that you love us. Would you meet our needs in a wondrous way, our spiritual and our physical needs? Heal us and protect us because we are yours. God can do all things as recorded in his living word. God does not change, and that's what we desperately need. And we desperately need it. I'll tell you when that thought really began to kind of circulate in my mind it was uh, early November. It was actually late October, but about, about early November, there seemed to be so many crises in this church that it just about got overwhelming. There's one family that, that went to the hospital, and, and, and we're still continuing to pray for him. There was some, some good news in Willard's life. And, and then, you know, he went to the hospital, and then there was a, another surgery that afterwards, and another family was struggling, and, and, and he's still in the hospital. And, and along the way, we had a, a loved one that, that, uh, that, that passed and went home to be with Christ, and the family struggles with that. And, 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 and there was financial issues, and there were some kids in the church that weren't acting right. And there were some, some spouses that weren't acting right. And, and it got kind of bad at one point in November. And, and uh, I, I began to think, my goodness. And, and, and the phone would begin to ring. And as the phone rang, I would just sometimes look at the phone and just shake my head before I picked it up. Because it got a little bit overwhelming. And that was the time when the Spirit started speaking to my spirit and saying, you know what? You can go to the hospital room and you can be a word of encouragement but that's not their greatest need and you can go and you can pray with them and you can hold their hands but that's not their greatest need and you can go and and, and maybe make them smile for a moment but that's not their greatest need the greatest need for you and for me 
is a God who is mighty and majestic. The God who promised to keep every promise and has never failed. The God who not only is the God of the mountains, but the one who shook the mountains. The God who does not change. We need the God of the covenant. We need the God who will take us into a better land. That is the need. We need Elohim, the God of all creation. We need Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. We need Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. We need the Lord Elohim, the God most high. We need Abba Father, Daddy, who loves his children. And the truth and the wonder is, This is our God, if only we will believe. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, who are we that we would even speak your name? Who who are we that would not come on hands and knees before the king, before the one who has spoken all creation into being. You are our Lord and our God, and the only reason that we can come is not because of our goodness, but because of your greatness and because of your hesed, your long-suffering, your love, your patience. You are our God, and we need you desperately. Forgive us of our sins, Holy Father. And allow us, by your grace, to come to the foot of your throne. We pray for one another, for those that we have mentioned, for those that are sick, for those that are struggling. And we pray for your healing. Because you are our God. We pray for one another, Father, that you would Set us afire, that our passions would be rekindled, that we would love you like never before in this coming year, that you would identify, that you would set up appointments for us so that we might share the good news and that our hearts, our blessings that we have received would overflow in our speech, that we would passionately share. We pray for the pews that are empty today, Father, that by the power of the Spirit you would draw many here and we will do our best to love them and to care for them and to make disciples of them. We pray for the baptismal pool that it would flow and overflow and be a blessing to many as they start their journey. And we promise, Holy Father, to do our best for you and to give you all of the glory. There will never be anyone here that says, it's, well, look what we have done. It is all about you and what you have accomplished. Help us this day to commit never to accept a little bit of you. But we pray humbly for your kingdom and your glory. Reveal yourself to us so that we might be enlivened once again. May there be a revival in our hearts, in our church, in our community. Let it start today. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.